This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select T.D. Lamb. Oh, and now, your hosts, Dane Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kevin Turner, and Kyle Yeomans. It's a Thursday edition of the DallasCowboys.com draft show as we are 74 days away from the NFL draft. It's hard to keep count at this point because we're getting closer and closer along the way. But we are going to break it down. An early Valentine's Day gift for all of you listeners out there who decided to tune in as we're going to give our... Our Valentine's crushes of draft prospects at each position. And plus, hey, Dane Brugler gave you a nice little uh, mock draft Valentine's Day gift earlier today. We're going to go through that as you can find that on The Athletic. But I want to start things off today by asking Mr. Jeff Cavanaugh a question. Because I feel like you're probably the more likely of the four of us to do this. But if you were on a boat and you had the Lombardi Trophy in your hand, would you have the guts to toss it to another boat in the middle of a bay, it's, let's say Tampa Bay, at, at some point throughout that celebration. Would you have the guts to do something like that? Oh, yeah. I don't care about pretty much anything, Kyle. Yeah. Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, plus I'm an experienced boatman. You Are know? you? I'm, I'm a lake guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm a lake man, but I'm, a, I'm an experienced boatman, and I'm an experienced drinker. So I think that I could pull that off with no problems whatsoever. I could throw the Lombardi to KT, and I could throw it, I'll say I could throw it from, without even knowing how much it weighs, I'll say I could make that toss from 18 yards. Okay. KT, would you make the catch? Dang. Uh, yeah, no, I've got very good hands. My problem is getting separation because I'm a little chubby. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll set a pick route for you, and you run the dig. We'll be good. I'll call yeah. the play-by-play from routes. the booth. That's all I need to be yeah. doing. Yeah. yeah. I can make that play for you. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to ask that question because I, I don't know why, but yesterday I was like, which one of the three of these draft show guys would be more willing to toss a Lombardi trophy? My first thought was Dane's face whenever it happened. Uh, whenever uh, he actually saw it. But then my second thought was, oh, Jeff would probably uh, ultimately make this toss. Now, Dane, what did you think about the Super Bowl? Is We didn't get the chance to get your thoughts on, uh, or all three of y'all's thoughts, on the, the draft show Tuesday. What did you think about the the, the final uh, of Tampa Bay taking down Kansas City 31-9? A uh, little surprised that the Chiefs were not more ready for uh, the the Bucks' defensive game plan. I, I thought that uh, you know Andy Reid knows way you know add up all our football knowledge, and Andy Reid still knows way way more. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know I, I, just, I just thought they'd be a little more ready and be able to adjust to uh, what the the Bucks were doing. But I mean credit to uh, you know that defense, the pressure they put on the pocket. Um, you know of course Tom Brady, what he was able to do. I mean it's. It's really remarkable, um, you know. It's it, and I think just as a you know the thirty thousand foot view, the fact that we got through the season uh, with no cancellations, few postponements here and there, a few scares, a few teams had to, you know, play a game without coaches and players and all that. But you know, ultimately we made it. We made it to the finish line, and, and credit to the Bucks for 
you know, I think if you we watch them throughout the year, just get better and better and better. And obviously, part of that is you know Tom Brady bringing his uh, wealth of knowledge to that offense and getting comfortable and just everything gelling at the right time. So uh, you know they uh, they're ready to come back and do it next year. So it should make it interesting. KT, I thought that game uh, provided a lot of hope to other teams around the league. Of like, hey, you might be closer than maybe maybe you think. I mean, for the Chiefs, and we know how dangerous the Chiefs are with their weapons and all that stuff, and Mahomes. I don't have to tell you that, but like, the mistakes, kind of the sloppiness on defense. I know everyone's going to gripe about the penalties, but they put themselves in a position uh, to like not overcome those penalties by stupid mistakes. I'll never understand someone lining up offsides on a field goal attempt. It's the dumbest thing in sports. Um, so like, when I see things like that, I'm like, man. I, uh, kind of what Dane said, I can't believe they weren't more ready. And I think in the NFC, you know, it, I think that, that since – like I know Tom Brady's a monster and all this stuff, but that defense is the story for me, that Tampa Bay defense. And that kind of tells you, okay, look, if we can go put points up and if we can find a way to build our defense a little bit, we've got a chance to compete in the NFC. And I think we saw that with New Orleans and Green Bay thinking they had a shot and the Rams thought they kind of had a shot for a while until quarterback chaos ensued. And whatever happens with Seattle, I know Russell Wilson's been saying a lot of stuff. Whatever happens with Seattle will be interesting, but the NFC to me is still very wide open. Mm-hmm. Jeff, uh, I think it showed me that uh, the draft show is where you build champions. Because if you look at Tampa Bay's last three years of drafts, you're going to find three years ago Vita Vea, Ronald Jones, Carlton Davis, Alex Kappa, Jordan Whitehead. Everybody that I named is a starter. I mean, Ronald Jones, I guess, kind of sometimes. 2019, Devin White, Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, every one of those is a starter. And then last year, Tristan Wirfs, Antoine Winfield Jr., those are studs. So I named you at least three pro bowlers and a whole bunch of starters and a whole bunch of good starters. So basically, when a team gets to the Super Bowl, show me their last three to four years of drafts, and I'll tell you if they were actually there. And for Tampa Bay, the answer is absolutely. And then they convinced the GOAT to show up, and then he brought his friends. But a lot of what they built is the last three years of the draft. I just gave you part of their offensive line, their entire secondary, the best nose tackle in football, a guy who's going to be an all-pro offensive tackle for a bunch of years, a Pro Bowl safety. That's all in the last three years of drafting. Mm-hmm. So that, that's draft well. Cow- I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, Jeff. That's where the Cowboys' defense is where it's at right now is because they missed a lot in the 2017 draft. Mm-hmm. With Taco, Cheeto, Jordan Lewis. I know we talk about Xavier Woods, you know, and Xavier Woods you know, might be a starter, you know. Like, they, that's where their defense is where it's at. They missed our entire year of drafting, and that can't happen. That sets you back if you completely whiff on one year. And you can also argue maybe 2019, too, without having a first-round draft pick and then Tristan Hill being your second-round pick. I mean, you could, you could argue there that you missed as well. Now, there's still a lot to kind of – come to fruition with the 2019 draft and we don't know if Tristan Hill is a miss yet but you didn't have that first round pick and I think not having that hurts you on the defensive side of the football it's pretty nice to have Amari Cooper on the offensive side but I completely agree I wrote about it a little bit this morning on DallasCowboys.com about the building of Tampa Bay and how it's kind of reversed from what the Cowboys have been doing over the last couple of years it seems like the Cowboys have said hey let's sign all these free agents try and get a cheap deal or at least a bargain discount on free agents and then fill those holes with some draft picks. Now, Tampa Bay did the opposite. They drafted really, really well and then said, hey, 
now that we've drafted well, let's bring in these guys, like Jeff said. The Goat and his friends came along, and then all of a sudden you're a Super Bowl contender. But the Cowboys have a long way to go in order to do that, and, and they're going to have to hit on a couple of picks in order to do so. But let's talk uh, talk about Dane's first-round mock draft. You can find it on The Athletic. Woo! It's Mock Draft 3.0, Mr. Dane Brugler. First, give us just kind of your initial thoughts on writing this up, and then we'll get into the Cowboys pick and kind of how things ensued scenario-wise. Well, I wanted to switch things up a little bit and introduce some trade opportunities. Um, you know, it's mock drafts are at this point in the process all about laying out scenarios. You know, what are the possibilities? What could happen? And it's just it's not realistic, honestly, to do a mock draft without it, some type of trade. You know, just last year's draft uh, in the first round, there were 11 teams uh, that drafted in a spot other than the, where they were originally slotted. So there's going to be movement. It's going to happen, especially when you consider the quarterbacks at the top of this draft. Now, is it you know almost unrealistic to nail those trades? Yeah, but at least we can lay out some of those possible scenarios that could be on the table for some of these teams. And so that's what I tried to do: lay out you know trade compensation, the reasoning behind some of uh, these moves. And, you know, all in all, he had six trades in this first-round mock draft. So uh, a lot of movement. The, the Cowboys stayed at 10, but there were two trades in front of them. Uh, you know, we talk about the quarterbacks and how they're probably going to go quickly. And that's what happened in this, uh, this scenario. So uh, that's, you know, on, on one hand, it'd be great for a quarterback to fall to 10 because then you can talk trade down and all that. But at the same time, if four quarterbacks go top 10, that means you're pushing another good player to you at 10. I think that's what happened in this draft. Was there a scenario in there somewhere where you thought about trading uh, the Cowboys pick either to go up or down at any point? Not up. Um, I think it really just it would come down to um, – because there were, uh, there were a few uh, possibilities that I looked at. Um, when you have the Giants sitting there at 11, and let's say Jamar Chase, Devontae uh, Smith go somewhere in the top 10, I think there's one more receiver in this draft that's really in that top tier, being Jalen Waddell. Mm -hmm. And so you're looking at a few teams, uh, you know, like the Patriots or you know a few of these other teams that are maybe looking for that weapon, and you want to get in front of the Giants to go get that weapon. And so at 10, I think that's a possible landing spot for one of these teams. The other scenario that I looked at was uh, a team like the Chargers sitting there at 13. They are a very offensive line needy uh, team right now. They need to keep Justin Herbert healthy. They need to do something uh, to upgrade that offensive line in several spots. And so if you know Penny Sewell goes early and then it, you know Rashawn Slater, if he's the next guy off the board, and let's say the, a team like the Chargers has a gap between Slater and that next offensive tackle, well, then maybe they would look to uh, trade up to number ten uh, ahead of uh, you know a team you know like the uh, that could possibly trade in front of them to get that offensive tackle. So I, I think there are a few scenarios here that are plausible. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I had them stay put at ten. Patrick Sertan was there, and it mm -hmm. made sense for them just to stay put. If they don't have a deal on the table that blows them away, stay put and draft, and that's what they did in this scenario. 
So, in your scenario, the the biggest trade was the fact that the Panthers went from number eight up to number three, and they ended up taking Justin Fields instead of maybe letting Mac Jones kind of fall into their lap. A lot of quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, number one, Wilson goes number two, Justin Fields goes number three. That's pretty much uh, what you would uh, think about the first three picks of the draft, no matter who's going to be picking there, maybe with the exception of Miami. Kyle Pitts goes number five. The tight end from Florida, the Eagles, well, we, we will now have to see Jamar Chase, wide receiver out of LSU for the next couple of years, uh, twice a year. Trey Lance is Washington's new quarterback as they traded up to seven to go get a quarterback there. So just talking about the, the NFC East opponents here, Jeff and, and, and KT specifically, whenever it comes to the early parts of this mock draft, having to see Jamar Chase twice a year, and then Washington, a team who won the division last year, finally getting a quarterback that's at least somewhat competent uh, and not injured in the backfield like a Trey Lance, what does that say to you about the NFC East potential uh, if they're going to trade up and try and go get these guys? With the Eagles, if they're not going to take a quarterback, I wouldn't worry about the Eagles for the next half decade because I think Carson Wentz is going to get traded, and I don't think Jalen Hurts is good enough to be a good NFL quarterback. So if they're going to take a wide receiver, I think that's fine. What would worry me if, uh, as a Cowboy observer is if Philadelphia takes a quarterback and hits. Mm. So in this scenario, I would say Washington is the team that's doing themselves a real favor, and Philadelphia is still going to be in trouble. It's nice to have weapons, but if your quarterback's not good enough, and I don't think Jalen Hurts is, then you're not going to win a lot of football games. Washington finding a quarterback, a, a real-life quarterback, uh, because Alex Smith ain't it. Taylor Heineke, who knows? But if they find a real-life quarterback, that roster is better than the Cowboys roster. If they have a quarterback, they can win the division again. But the Cowboys – and now there's wild cards there. If the Cowboys get their entire offensive line back and you have Dak and he's fully recovered, blah, 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 then you can still win the division. But Washington finding a real-life quarterback, that's the biggest problem in this division for the Cowboys. Well, and I think you made a good point about the Eagles, and that's – they're really interesting in this scenario with – Carson Wentz likely on his way out. Mm -hmm. What do the Eagles do at number six? Is there a quarterback there that they feel great about that they'd want to uh, go get? And in this scenario, the only quarterback available, uh, you know, Trey Lance or you know Mac Jones, even if you want to include him. Uh, but I think the Eagles are at a point where even if you do add a young quarterback, is the rest of the roster good enough? You know, and so I, I think that they're at a point where they can build up the talent around the quarterback in this draft and then aim for a quarterback in next year's draft or they if they feel strongly enough about a quarterback just drop them now and then you know do your best to fill in the pieces later so uh, the eagles are an interesting crossroads here that i think makes them a real wild card and i, and I like the idea though at, at four, the question we're kind of talking about the nfc east but you know if i'm the falcons at pick four uh, and three quarterbacks are off the board in this scenario where carolina is traded up if I like that guy a little bit, I'd probably go and pull the trigger. And I know maybe they think they can extend Matt Ryan a little bit more, his career a little bit more. I might go ahead and rip off the Band-Aid and start the rebuild. Wow. Uh, I guess my question for you, Dane, I know you've answered this before, but like next year's quarterbacks, what's the, what's the feeling? Quite a bit of a drop-off compared to this year? I mean, I think so, um, and that's, that's the vibe, uh, or this is what I've been told by many around the league is just they're not – wowed by next year's class um you know the north carolina kid 
Um, you know, we'll see if the Oklahoma quarterback can, you know, really develop in, uh, you know, the, the next season. So much will be dependent on what happens next year mm-hmm. and yeah. the steps that these guys take. But, you know, there's no, you know, at least at this point, there's no Trevor Lawrence. Uh, there's, you know, know that guy. But, you know, there wasn't a Joe Burrow, um, you know, going into his senior year. So, you know, we just don't know. But I, I think it's interesting with Atlanta because they're in a spot with a brand new regime, new head coach, new general manager. You know, they they could absolutely start building for the future. And if they take a quarterback at number four and it plays out, uh, you know, in, in, like this, where quarterbacks go one, two, three, four, that'll be the first time it's ever happened. We've never seen that before. Uh, we've had it happen where quarterbacks go one, two, three, but never one, two, three, four. Um, I think with Atlanta, though, with a new regime coming in, first-year general manager, you want to hit on this pick more than anything. And I think adding Penny Sewell uh, to upgrade that offensive line uh, from the get-go, I mean, Atlanta can still compete. I mean, yes, they need to get better on defense, but you add an offensive line piece like Penny Sewell, Matt Ryan is not going to go down without a fight. He still has weapons to throw to. You make some uh, additions, uh, upgrades on defense and free agency – Atlanta can make some noise in that division. So, uh, you know, that, that, that Atlanta's in an interesting spot where they can still compete and, you know, maybe not go the quarterback route, even though they do have a top five pick. So let's Can talk- I ask another quick question? Yeah, go for it, KT. Uh, I'm sorry, real quick. So in all, a lot of these mock draft scenarios, you know, and in this one we have the Cowboys taking uh, Patrick Sertan. If we had to rank, if say the four quarterbacks went earlier, if you had to rank for Dane or Jeff or whoever – if you had to rank Patrick Sertain, Caleb Farley, Penny Sewell, or Rashawn Slater, how would you rank those four prospects overall? For the Cowboys or just in a in a vacuum? In a vacuum, but but you know that we know the Cowboys are thinking about these guys because those are possibly positions of need, at least at least offensive tackles possible. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know for me, I Sewell would be my top guy, mm-hmm. and then I, it would be a debate between. Slater and Farley for the next for the next player, but you know Sewell I think is just he's he's a premier offensive lineman who is not even close to playing his best football yet. You know he doesn't turn 21 until October. Just there's so much ability there, and you know that's that there's just a lot that you, you can do with a player like that. So Sewell would definitely be my guy, um, and then it would be a debate between Slater and Farley who uh, who would number two be on that list. I'm interested in the fact that you said Slater and Farley next and not Sertan. Is that correct? Did I hear that right or did yeah. I hear it the other way? No, yeah, I, I, I like Sertan. Um, I just I like Slater, like Slater and, and Farley, uh, next. Uh, Farley just a little so, bit more. Yeah, I mean, I, I, go for it, Dane. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. It's, it's, it's a situation where you're – but, you know, the better player versus the better prospect. I mean, Caleb Farley, I think, when you, you – know, we've talked about it before. We talk about his athleticism, the size, the ball awareness, uh, how much better you think he's going to get still. Um, with Sertan, uh, I think it, he's a top 15 player in this draft. Uh, just, you know, he's missing a little bit of that speed element that you want and missing a little bit of that twitch. But he consistently stays in phase. He finds the football. 
uh, you know, he, he's a guy that's ready to step in from day one and be a starter for you. So, I mean, I, I don't want to sound like it'd be a, a bad pick if they went that direction. Uh, but when you stack those four players, I think he'd probably be the fourth of the group. Uh, but you're, it's four really good players right there. So, based off of what you said and, and having Slater ahead of Sertan, Sertan was the pick for the Cowboys in this mm-hmm. mock draft at 10. They stayed put. They took Sertan. Now, Farley and Sewell were off the board. Farley went one pick prior, number nine, to Denver. And then Sewell went earlier in the draft to Atlanta at pick number four. Slater was still on the board here, and even you talk about a fun trade. Slater went two picks later to the New York Jets after they traded in your mock draft, after they traded a first-round pick, number 23 overall, in Sam Darnold in order to uh, get up and, and get that pick from San Francisco. Why was that the case in terms of Sertan going to Dallas and then also showing that other teams value as highly as they do Rashawn Slater? Well, I think first off, uh, the question with Slater is going to be uh, for a lot of teams: can he play tackle? Um, there's, there's. I know there are some teams that have him on the board as a guard center. Hmm. So you know, the Cowboys might be one of those teams. I don't know. Uh, you know, and if they don't think he can play tackle, then maybe that changes the conversation a little bit. Um, you know, it, it, not that you don't draft a guard at number ten overall. But not having that position flex, because that's part of the reason why, personally, I love Slater so much, because I think he gives you that position versatility. But if the Cowboys don't see that, if they see him as a guard prospect, then maybe that changes things a little bit. Um, and in this scenario, I, you know, knowing the Cowboys, the way they look at the, they, they, we, we know that they like to predetermine what they're going to do. And in this scenario, in this draft, where there's two pretty solid corners at the top, um, I, it just seems like it's a very like the most likely scenario is them going with one of these corners, uh, it, it, depending on which one's available for them. And that trade uh, situation, you know, it, it just comes down to the Jets if they get a good deal for Darnold because they don't have to trade them, but I think they will if the right value's there. And this trade scenario that I propose is basically the equivalent of two second-round picks because uh, the Jets are moving up from 23 to 12, so the 49ers are still sticking in the first round and giving up a 2022 second-round pick to get their quarterback. Um, and so it's an it's a interesting opportunity for both teams. And for the Jets, they get up to 12, and, okay, you, you've got a chance to draft a, a player that's going to upgrade their offensive line. And you pair Slater and Mekhi Becton at left tackle and left guard for the foreseeable future, that's going to be a lot of fun. So that's an interesting uh, you know, wrinkle that would you know, surely shake things up. Do you think this is the safe pick, Jeff, whenever it comes to the Cowboys instead of taking an offensive tackle in a Slater? Or is this the risky pick, taking a guy who may not be the better prospect, but it fits your needs right now? Uh, I I mean, I do think it's a safe pick. I think Patrick Sertan is a safe pick to say he's going to play 10 years in the NFL and he's going to be a starter. you know, I, th- I think this scenario that Dane has drawn up brings a whole bunch of different names into play. I think for the Cowboys, I wouldn't be surprised if it brought the name Micah Parsons into play. Mm-hmm. For me, I would I would rather hear the name Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, the Notre Dame linebacker. Um, gosh, does Christian Barmore come into play? <coughs> Excuse me. But, like, I mean, it, to me that's early, but... That it's kind of along the same vein as what the Sertan pick would signify, which is, look, here's what we're looking at in terms of need. Because in terms of the best players available, for me it would be Jalen Waddell and Rashawn Slater and uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa and 
and Patrick Sertan, and those would kind of be the names that would be in that group for me. Uh, but I, I'm with Dane where I think what's going to happen is you'll have you know quite a few guys that they'll view as, yeah, these are solid first-round picks. We're sitting here at number 10. Uh, we have a desperate need for cornerback. So if Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan is there, I think it makes sense. Uh, I don't think he would be the top player, according to me, that's available there. But it, it's a pick that makes tons of sense for the Cowboys. And I think part of it is I'm taking the best player there um, because I feel pretty good about cornerback and offensive tackle depth in the second round when you're picking at 44. And I, that doesn't you know, rule out taking a defensive tackle or a defensive end or a linebacker or any of those things in that spot. But I do feel really good about offensive tackle and cornerback depth going back to day two. Then what if Jalen Waddle's the best player? What if it's Jalen Waddle? Well, okay. Best player available at a position of need, right? Okay. I'm just checking. But now <laughs> you're checking. right. Uh, I like that you're throwing that out there because I, I, did, I at least turned my head like I do every time I go into a 7-Eleven and I see some wine. I'm like, yeah. wait, is that, is that wine in a 7-Eleven? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna buy it, but I might because yeah. there's wine in a 7-Eleven. That's that's yeah. what Jalen Waddle and Kyle Pitts do for me at that area. <laughs> that's interesting. And hey, maybe maybe Jalen Waddle ends up being the Miller Light in the 7-Eleven, and then all of a sudden you're really cooking because you, oh. you have to select it. Is Jalen Waddle oh. Miller Light? Though that's the issue. And you hit a water burger on the way home. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow! Oh, I'll some turn of the, on that AT&T phone, baby. <laughs> some of the other uh, other players that were that we've kind of talked about and where they landed in Dane's mock draft. The Patriots take Micah Parsons at 15. That just seems like a Patriots pick. Goodness huh. gracious! Um, Christian Barmore goes 17 to Las Vegas as the Raiders take him. Mr. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora, linebacker out of Notre Dame, who we all love. The Detroit Lions, who traded out of the top ten, gave a quarterback to Washington, ended up taking Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora to pair in that defense at the linebacker spot. That's pretty impressive, I think, from a, a, a standpoint of a, a team trading back and still grabbing a guy. Uh, J.C. Horn, another Cowboys rumored guy. Buffalo Bills take him at 21. Any other picks, though, here before we take our first break, Dane, that stuck out to you when you made him? Uh, well, I love the Steelers trading up a few spots to get Christian Derrissaw. Uh, you know, they need help at tackle, and Derrissaw just seems like a great fit for uh, not only that scheme, but just the type of player that uh, the Steelers look for. So they make a little bit of a move and get their guy. Um, you know, the 49ers, they, they make that move. They move back to 23 from the 12th pick, and they still get a solid player in Quiddy Pay. Yeah, maybe they consider mm-hmm. a Quiddy Pay at 12, and they fall down to 23, still get him. Um, I, I think Mac Jones at 28 to the Saints is just a, a perfect fit in terms of him being the new Drew Brees there. Uh, really fits that offense well, uh, and I think they could hit the ground running. Um, and, you know, the Colts, they get kind of shut out at left tackle uh, with Darius off the board and a few other guys. So they move back and uh, get Liam Eikenberg at the end of the first round, which I think would be a nice fit for them. And then last pick uh, of the first round, Miami, which my, this is Miami's third trade in this, uh, this mock draft <laughs> scenario. They trade uh, back into the first round to, to, for the, their third pick 
in in this year in this uh, first round uh, situation, and they get Travis Etienne. So Devontae Smith, Zayvon Collins, and they knew they move from 36 to 32. Uh, to get their explosive running back. So uh, trying to get to us some more help on that offense. I love it. I, I think that's fantastic. And I wish the Cowboys would do something like that and get multiple first-round picks as Miami already has, too. They said, nah, we want one more. Let's go ahead and snag this guy and try and make a run for the thing because we also don't know what Miami's going to do with Tua and, and if he's even going to be that quarterback moving forward. So there's a lot of moving and shifting to be done and while we're talking about trades we've got twitter on the 20 coming up on the other side of the break and i'm going to ask all three of these guys what it would be like to trade down and maybe go get one of those defensive players like a jeremiah usu korobora or a christian barmore how far would they have to fall and are the cowboys secretly in a rebuild we'll talk about it when we come back on the other side of the break this is the dallascowboys.com draft show presented by miller light there's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizal for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Into the second segment here of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. It's a Thursday edition. Kyle Yeomans, Dane Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kevin KT Turner. And now we've got you guys answering fan questions on some Twitter on the 20. Twitter on the 20. Chris Beam, as always, doing fantastic work in the back. And Jeff Cavanaugh, this is your time to shine, my friend, because this is a segment for no! Mr. Captain Trade Down. Yep, yep, it's happening. No. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, no. cool. Yeah, Captain Trade Down. No, this is a good thing. This is this is solid. Okay, so yeah. there were multiple questions on Twitter on the 20. I'm going to try and read off every name. If I miss your name, I apologize. Just know I'm thinking of you. Jason Pruitt asked, Sherman asked, um, there's like three other people that asked this as well. Uh, Edward Canberra Jr. 
all want to know what is the scenario like to trade down for the Cowboys? What would it look like? How far would you have to go to get one of these top prospects that you were talking about? We mentioned a bevy of names in the first segment. What would it take for the Cowboys to trade back down, and how far would they fall? Well, I want to point out first that, like, Dane's mock draft scenario, he screwed it up if you wanted to trade down because he let all four quarterbacks go before the Cowboys pick. So, ideally, you let one of the quarterbacks get to number 10. You let somebody come up and get them, and you move back. And let's see, the teams that would need said quarterback, the Dane, now all these trades are in the way. New England, um, Washington. Pittsburgh, Washington. Uh, probably not Maybe. Detroit, Chicago, you Indy know, Indy, Indy. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could go as low as 21. Uh, but here's the danger because I play with the mock draft simulators way too often on my little YouTube page, way too often. And uh, one time I went down to like 20 or 21 and I lost everybody, and Ooh. it was the worst mock draft I've ever done. So, what did you end up with? Um, that's a great question that I'll try to remember and let you know. But like cuz cuz here's the names that I'd be interested in a trade down. If the if the yes, it was awful. If the Cowboys trade down, then great, you accumulate an extra pick. The names that I would be thinking about when I do it and I'll go off of uh, Dane's mock draft here is Sertan probably goes somewhere. Rashawn Slater is a name you'd love to have available. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, the Notre Dame linebacker, I would love to have available. Christian Barmore, J.C. Horn. If all of those names are gone after I trade it down, then I quit. And I ask if we can redo it. I'd be like, hey, hey, I didn't mean it. Can we switch back? Because that that is about the end of the defensive players that I'm trying to pick there in the top 20. So if if I don't end up with one of those guys, then I would say my trade down failed, and I'm not having a good time anymore. Mm. So those those are the the targets. So you got to be careful how far you go according to this cap trade down. I would agree. I don't really have too much to elaborate on. I think once you get to the the Eric Stokeses of the world, the uh, you know, if you want to say Liam Eikenberg or whatever you want to say, you know, at offensive tackle, if that's where you're looking, the one name that I that I go and I'm just kind of using Dane's mock draft as a as a jumper, and he's not even my safety one, uh, but if the Cowboys liked Morig, uh, the safety from TCU, is at 25, maybe that's a little it's a little far for me, and really not the guy that I want at safety anyways, but I'm just throwing out names and scenarios because that's what we do in the draft. Who show. do you want at safety? Richie Grant, baby. Okay. Absolutely. I just wanted to make sure. I like Richie Grant a lot. Where did uh, yeah. did Richie Grant go in the top the the front first round here? Dane, I don't see him here. No. Okay. No, Morgs uh, snuck in there. Uh Richie Grant did not uh he was not in his first round block. Okay, where would you have him probably? Man, I, would, I would agree with KT there. Yeah, I I mean I he's somewhere in the top, you know, forty five picks. But I would agree with KT. I mean I think it's it's a it's a close call. Who's safety one in this class? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that there's a case to be made for Grant uh, over Morig. So it's it's a it's a really interesting group of safeties. I hope Richie Grant. Yeah, Grant goes. might be a guy in the early 30s. Go for it, yeah. KT. Let's say if Grant. Well, Grant might be have to have to have to be a guy where you're at 44 and you're like, God, I love this guy. Uh, I got to jump up to 35 or 36 and get it. Like maybe that's the mm-hmm. thought process there. Yeah, I. I 
Dane said top 45 picks. If he goes in the top 44 and he slides in there at 44, I would do cartwheels. Uh, that might be that would maybe be my player that I would run to the star and back for again this year. I'm not saying I'm making that bet again because I don't really want to, but uh, Richie Grant would maybe be that guy if he was there at 44 and the Cowboys picked him. But hey, I, I might might try and think that through. But uh, sticking with make the bet. Nah, nah, well, we'll see. Let me let me get through everybody first hey, before wh- I make the bet. One other thing with uh, I didn't hear you guys talk or mention any edge rushers uh, in a trade down scenario, and I think that's where maybe edge rusher becomes more of a possibility. Um, you know, with Quiddy Pay or. Aziz Adjulari is my top pass rusher in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think one of these pass rushers could be more of a, a realistic option if they tr- end up trading back seven, eight spots and maybe get shut out in another position. I can do Adjulari, um, and that's about the only one. Because I would just I would look back at what you gave up at, uh, at 10, and this edge class is just so weird to me. Where I'm with you in terms of who the top guy is, and my second guy is Quiddy Pay, but I don't feel great about that. And then it's just a whole bunch of dudes lumped together. Where if that's what I traded away from picking at number 10 overall for, and I end up picking Jalen Phillips or Carlos Basham, I'd be like, what happened to when we could have picked Patrick Sertan, guys? What happened to well, when we could have picked for Sean Slater, guys? Depends what you get too. If you get an extra two, and say it's a you know an early two, and it ends up being another quality starter for you, then it you know, it, it's an interesting discussion. If you're talking about a a, a pass rusher, a corner, and a safety uh, in your first two rounds, or just a corner and a safety, you know it just it, it makes it a really interesting scenario. Um, you know with. It, the quantity over quality uh, argument, three versus two players. What would it take to get, let's say, if the if the Cowboys were at 10, Dane, and they went from 10 but they stayed yep. in the top 20, what would that kind of compensation look like? What do you think? Probably a two. Um, and it depends what people are trading up for. If it's for a quarterback, then that compensation is probably going to be a little bit a more bit higher, because yeah. theoretically there will be more than one team trying to get up there. And so maybe you can drive the price up a little bit. But, you know, likely if you're moving up, say, say, well, I can't say Washington because I don't think the Cowboys are going to trade with Washington. But, uh, you know, say it's, a, it's another team. Say, uh, say Pittsburgh trades up to 18 and then they look to try to get up to 10 when they, you know, try to get a quarterback or something like that. Uh, you know, then you know you're probably talking about a two and a four or something like that, uh, where you know you're not have, you're not gonna have to trade the farm, but with when a quarterback's involved, the, the compensation's always a little bit more. I like it. I I like having that and having one of those guys. I'm there with you, Captain Trade Down. I think if they if there's a quarterback there and a team wants to come up and get him, let's do it. Let's just not drop too far. I don't want to drop into the 20s. I want to stay in the top 20. Pick right around where we did last year. Of course, we had a CD Lamb last year. Let's try and figure something out on the defensive side this time and have two second-round picks, two third-round picks, two fourth-round picks, so on and so forth, because that's exactly what it would be. Yeah! Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, no! He just dropped his camera. We got a man down! Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh! Oh, Oh, he's back! 
Sorry, I got so excited about the idea of uh, getting down into the teens somewhere and drafting Jeremiah Wusu koromoa and then removing a certain player from the roster and saving $7.2 million and then using that money to go sign somebody else that could help your team. And, man, you could just you could upgrade at linebacker, and um, that would be a lot of fun. Wait, so you would, you, would be, you would be getting rid of a player and replacing him with that same school uh, in the same position? Is that what you're talking about? Is that what we're referencing here? Uh, I mean, no. All I'm saying is that I would go with uh, with like a guy that's uh, two legged, uh, bipedal, oh, okay. and uh, wow, and that celebrates celebrates usually when good things happen, not just all the time. <laughs> oh goodness! All right, let's go ahead and go to let's go back to the and this will be my last draft show. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a whole fun ride with Captain Trade Down. Uh, can you get the crew? This is a, a question from Christian. Can you get the crew to give their thoughts on Sean Wade from Ohio State? He was a disaster in the championship oh. game, but would he project better as a safety? We were just talking about Mo Rig and Richie Grant at the safety spot. Would Sean Wade transition over better, KT? What? Just let's just go play inside. Let's do what we know you're good at. Like play that, and that's that would probably be my goal. Is like he would just be my my slot corner most of the time. And I know he's a little a little long for that six one. Of course, length is fine there, right? Um, you know what I saw in 2019. You saw a, a good tackler and good in coverage and things like that. And just when the moved outside for some reason, he struggled and just couldn't keep up with the. Fry Fogles of the world, you know, uh, mm. the Indiana wide receiver, things like Good that. Good guy like, to use in daily fantasy, that Trifogel guy. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, I, I just, I, and I, I think also, I, I do think you have a situation, though, when you talk about him, if you're going to be playing a lot of cover three, maybe you give him another shot, but you're not taking him in the top 100 picks now, I don't think. I think you're banking on... I think you're. I think you're banking on a miracle if you do that. But uh, let's say you get to day three, Sean Wade's there. You want to play a lot of cover three in the first place, you know, where he can kind of keep the ball in front of him. I think. I, I don't think I'm like fully on board with just like abandoning the position uh, based on fit. But that is a that, that became a very extremely difficult evaluation after really loving his 2019 tape. Dang. I just don't know what you do with him. Uh, I mean, it, he, he 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 can't can't play outside corner. I mean, he showed that. Um, uh, he and there, what gave me a lot of pause was just how the lack of urgency that he played with. Um, it's not just a technique thing. It's not just him not being fast enough. It's just a lack of urgency that he that he showed. That that right there is a huge red flag to me. That. I'm not even gonna. I'm not. Even, I wouldn't even mess with it. I would. I wouldn't draft him. Um, he wow. would not be on my board. Uh, but that's just me. I mean, some teams gonna try and, you know, uh, you know. My guess would be early day three, uh, draft and develop and see if you have something. But you know, he's. It, it just. It, it was not the the 2020 season that uh, he needed to uh, for, for uh, the NFL draft. 
I yeah, Dane uh, Dane beat me to the punch because I didn't think Dane would have the stones to say I wouldn't put him on the board. But that's like my thought on a guy like Sean Wade is I'm gonna let somebody else pick him, and that's yeah. like that's not my not me predicting he's gonna go undrafted. He'll probably get picked in the third or fourth, maybe even the fifth. Um, but I think that's just one of those guys that if somebody were dumb enough to let me be a decision maker for an NFL team, I'd be like, guys, we're not messing with that one. Somebody else is gonna pick that guy. Like what? Yeah. What's your plan? He's a strong safety that we haven't seen play strong safety. That's our plan. Like, I just I don't know what your plan is with Sean Wade. It was uh, what happened for him in 2020 was uh, was bad news bears because I wouldn't know what to do with him. And if you don't know what to do with him, don't put him on the board. That's interesting because he I mean he was mocked after what was his 2019 tape, Dane? Was it first round mock draft or second uh, early second type of area? And then now where is he going to fall? Yeah, I mean, I think his tape last year was more day two tape. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, like, coming into the year, like, my first, you know, draft board, I projected him, I think it was, like, in, at 20 overall. Wow. Because I thought, okay, based off of what he did last year and based off improvements, I'm projecting him because I thought he'd be a natural at outside corner because he has good size, he's a really good tackler, he can get physical. And, you know, based off his 2019 film, I thought it would be, you know, his, his tools would actually translate better outside. And it, it just absolutely wrong on that. And so, um, you know, before the season, based off of projecting him forward, you thought, okay, this guy could maybe get into the first round and it, it just the 2020 season. Now, he was hurt a little bit. Um, that's part of it, you know, playing a new position. But, again, the lack of urgency, it, it, you know, that right there is a turnoff for me, um, you know, it, more so than just him struggling at the position. So um, now it's just it's going to be interesting. And, you know, he, he should have went to the Senior Bowl, but he didn't. Yep. Um, you know, part of that, again, he, he had some injury stuff to clean up. Um, there's no combine, and so a lot's going to be on his pro day. He needs to go out there and test extremely well to get back in the good graces of teams and say, or, you know, to, just to get them more optimistic about, okay, well, you know, he's he's a good-sized player. He runs in the low 4-4s, you know, the short area agility stuff. We'll take a chance on that, see if we can develop him. Um, so a lot, a lot of pressure on his pro day to perform. So kind of sticking with the defensive side of the football, Stingray on Twitter says, does the change at defensive coordinator – make the urgency for drafting defense a bit lower than it was previously. And he says, in other words, can they get better performance from existing players? Jeff, what do you think about that one? Uh, no, because I don't think you're – like a lot of your existing players aren't existing players. You have a whole bunch of free agents, and those players weren't good enough. Um, you know, you go across this defense, and I'm very comfortable saying that Tank Lawrence is a good football player. Like, Tank Lawrence is a very good starter on your defense. That's the end of my list of guys that I know are very good starters on my defense. It's at one. So, like, you saw some Donovan Wilson flash that's going to get people excited. Uh, Randy Gregory can play. But at linebacker, you're like, I don't know. At defensive tackle, it's, I don't know. At corner, you have Anthony Brown and Trayvon Diggs. That's what you got. And you don't have a free safety under contract, really. Um, So, no. This team was – look, Mike Nolan was a train wreck for this organization last year. The defensive coaching was a train wreck. It was embarrassing. They should have never been hired. But at the same time, your talent on defense was also bad. Mm -hmm. And that's a product of some misses, some signings that didn't work out. It was everything. Uh, Your urgency to change your personnel on defense doesn't change at all. You have to add, golly, 
three to six new starters on defense. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. You have a lot yeah. to do, and, and that urgency does not change. KT, I have nothing more to say. I mean, Jeff Jeff nailed it. It'd be different. Let's go. If Jordan Lewis or Cheeto or Xavier Woods had a like strong eight game run, you know, that made you go, "Wow, well now now they those guys were in contract years and didn't do enough to solidify a spot next year, uh, and didn't help their market any, and that's that's frustrating." It's interesting, Dane. Any thoughts or to add on that? Well, I think the only thing I would add is just we don't know how Coach Quinn and you know the the new additions to that coaching staff. You know, they they already have preconceived notions about some of these players, um, and so coming in, uh, you know, during draft meetings and as they're deciding what the roster is going to look like moving forward. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, there's a fresh perspective from these defensive coaches, and we just don't know how they're going to feel about some of these players. I think it's going to be interesting to see because there's we talked about it. Literally, the name of the Tuesday draft show was a hundred different ways. It, there's a hundred different ways the Cowboys could go, and really, 97 of those ways involve the defensive side of the football. And it's going to depend on who these front office personnel or who the front office personnel has their uh, has their crushes on. And we're going to talk about our Valentine's crushes. KT leads the final segment, and we talk about some of these top-notch draft prospects. When we come back, it's an early Valentine's Day edition of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes. Which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizal for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Final segment here of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. It's a Thursday edition. Valentine's Day coming up next week, and we won't have another show until then. Be sure to join us, though, Tuesday, 
10 a.m. Central Time. It'll be Brian Broaddus, Bucky Brooks, David Hellman, and the other group crew of the draft show. We'll talk with those guys about maybe who their Valentines are. But, KT, we've got a bit of a segment here, about 10 minutes to do it. Kind of explain how things are going to go and then get us underway. Well, I thought with Valentine's Day coming up, we all have something that we, uh, we've we called over the years, quote, pet cats. But I think uh, that's a little more shocking. I think now it's time to talk about our NFL draft Valentines. Mm. Who are the players that, uh, that we're kind of in love with? Now, it, this could be a fifth-round guy, a guy who might be projected to go on day three. It could be the Trevor Lawrence. You know, it could be whatever. But I thought we could just kind of – there's some guys who you like, you might like more than others. Uh, or a guy that maybe you're just in love with their tape. Let's uh, just go around the horn and talk about them. So I'd like to start with you, Jeff. And I know you like one of those TCU safeties, but I'll, I'll let you just uh, go. Who, who's one of your draft Valentines? Our Darius Washington, the best safety <laughs> at TCU. The best safety in this draft class. Mel Kuyper didn't put him in his top ten safeties. Dane disrespects him every time he puts out a list. Uh, our Darius Washington. If there were a combine, he would be the lightest safety in the history of the combine. He might be the shortest safety in the history of the combine. But, I, you know, I'm, just, I'm tired of all you size shamers out there. Our Darius Washington, safety one. When he gets picked in the fifth round, don't tell me that I was wrong about him. Just wait for his career to play out. The great Ardarius Washington. Well, it's because he's not a safety, but uh, I digress. Um, I mean, unless you want him to play safety. I mean, if you want him to play the slot, he'll play the slot, and he'll be better than your slot corner. If you want him to play safety, he'll be better than Merrick at it. Wherever you want him to play, it's whatever. I'm going with the true safety. Uh, that's Richie Grant, who we mentioned earlier. Nice. Uh, like this guy... The last three years, led the team in tackles twice. He accounted for 17 career uh, turnover-worthy plays, 10 interceptions, 7 forced fumbles. Play speed, production, um, the tape. Uh, he can do receiver-like things at the catch point. He'll run the alley. He'll go for the kill shot. Um, he only gave up three touchdowns the last two years. So, you know, there's some consistency issues that he needs to iron out, but NFL starting uh, range, eyes, ball-hawking skills – um, he could play single high. He could be a split safety. Uh, I mean, this guy's going to be a starter as a rookie. And so, I, you know, it's we're still kind of figuring out how early he's going to go. But uh, I'm crushing on him for sure. I like that. I like yeah, that a I lot. Think we all are. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I think he's probably one of the draft show darlings, I think, of the, the, whole, the whole realm, really. I think all of us kind of look at Richie Grant as one of those guys that could really be special. Now, my draft crush has to do, and it's kind of an obligatory, like, let's not forget about this guy. It's one of those trade-down targets, and it's Christian Barmore from Alabama, the defensive lineman. He's going to be your starting three technique if the Cowboys take him. I think he's better than Neville Gallimore. I think he's better than Tristan Hill. He's better than any of those guys on the defensive line. And if you're talking about a guy who, yes, he flashes on film, yes, his production was there when he was healthy at Alabama, but another guy that I also really respect in terms of evaluating especially defensive line talent and that's Matt Rule who's now with the Panthers he was with Baylor for a little bit you saw what he did with Baylor's defensive line in just three years of talent evaluation and building there but he recruited Christian Barmore to Temple where he originally committed before turning over and going to Alabama and then showing out for Nick Saban so I like Christian Barmore, all of his tape. I like his background. I like the way that he could fit in as a three technique for the Cowboys in 2021. So if the Cowboys trade down, let's say in the mid-20s, or not even mid-20s, but 
right before the 20th pick, get right back into that 15 to 19 range, then all of a sudden, if Christian Martmore is there, I think he needs to be in the discussion as a front seven defender that the Cowboys could take. Yeah, with the lack of like top end DTs, like uh, maybe a team gets a little urgent. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe he's a top twelve guy. Maybe he ends up higher than that. Just because I mean, it seems a little crazy, but uh, it could happen. Uh, let's have a little fun here, Dane. I'd like to get your thoughts on this guy too. And I don't know, if Jeff. You I don't know. If oh no, KT found an undrafted guy. Small school. Let's go to he Duke. Got ah. Let's go a little edge rusher. Chris Rumpf the second from Duke, because look, he's light. He's 225 pounds playing oh. defensive end. So maybe he's a three-four outside linebacker. But speed is the trait, baby. Speed all day long, all over the field making plays. He had eight sacks last year. And again, he's long. He's got a lean build, but he is all over the field, chasing down players from the backside, just making plays all over the place. Look, he's going to have issues. When uh, when an offensive lineman is able to get his hands on him because he's 225 pounds, but also his attitude is, look, there's a 300 pound offensive lineman. Uh, I'm going to be faster than him, and I'm going to get around him. So still needs to work on some some nuanced things with the pass rush moves. But Chris Rumpf the second from Duke is one of my favorite in terms of fun. It was just fun to watch his tape because that speed off the edge that might be the best speed off the edge in this class. And maybe it's obvious because he's 225 pounds, but uh, get a good look at Chris Rumpf the second mm. from Duke, everyone. I believe his father's a coach for the Texans, although everyone yep. gets with the Texans is like wanting out of town now. <laughs> but uh, Chris Rumpf, yeah. Yeah, his, his dad's been an assistant in the NFL for a long time. So, uh, and, and he's Chris Rumpf's a captain at Duke, um, you know, high pedigree type of guy. I, yeah, I just I don't know what you do with him because he, he just he gets dominated versus the run. I mean, the point of attack, he, he he's, in, he's in trouble. But I agree with you. As a as a pass rusher, he, he the motor's outstanding, good forward bend. He has range at the position. Um, I, because he is a little bit smaller, that makes it tough for, uh, and he moves so fast, offensive linemen to get their hands on him. So it's a little bit of a pro and con there. So uh, you know, there, there are a lot of things to like about him. I'm just not sure, is he a sub-package guy? Can he play off the ball? Uh, or, you know, it's just there's a lot of questions I think you have to be, you have to find the answers for and be confident about before you draft a player like that. KT, when, Let's go back to Jeff. Well, I would just oh, really quickly go before we go back to Jeff on this Duke guy, KT, when you said edge rusher out of Duke, I actually thought you were going to go with Victor Dumekaji. I think is how you say his name, Dumekaji. Uh, he's six foot two, two hundred. Come on, play by play guy. Uh, well, I looked it up and I couldn't find it at the at the very moment. But I'll get to that point. I promise. Uh, but Dumekaji out of Duke, I, I I think he's even better than what Rumpf has to to bring to the table in terms of a. a Duke edge rusher. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's a four-three base end. He's. I mean, you know what he is. You know what you're getting out of him, Dana. I just wanted to kind of get your comparison on the two before we go back to Jeff real quick. Yeah, obviously different styles of player. Sure. Uh, uh, Dumikeji is strong at the point of attack. Um, I, he's not going to give you a great pass rush. He's, he's inconsistent in his you know setup. Um, spends too much time attached to blocks. But he can get upfield quickly, and he's got strong hands, and he's going to bring it on every down. So, yeah, he, he is a, a draftable player probably somewhere on day three. Demukiji. That's what I found just now. Demukiji. I'm trying. Jeff. All right, Jeff, what's your crush? 
<laughs> All right, I'm going to try to pronounce this name right. Peyton Turner. Oh, that's Houston, a good one. Houston, defensive lineman. Peyton Turner. Take him with your second-round pick and prosper. He's 6'5", 270. He's got the longest arms on planet Earth. And offensive linemen just can't reach him. So whether you play him inside or outside, he is an absolute problem for offensive linemen. Peyton Turner, defensive line, Houston. Take him in the second. We're good. Yeah, I like that. He's he's really long. He's also one of the best effort rushers that I've scouted in this class. And so that competitive energy that he brings is awesome. Inside-outside versatility. Um, I'm going to go with another guy that we mentioned earlier, uh, Aziz Ajilari. Uh, mm -hmm. I think you know he's not being talked about enough as a legitimate top 15 guy, and he should be. Uh, you know, he, you know, it got frustrating watching him on film when they would drop him or you know not play him as a pass rusher. And he still led the SEC in sacks. So explosive athlete, dip and rip. He can corner, scheme versatility. This guy is still scratching the surface. So I'm a big Audulary fan. So my uh, my first, I guess, draft crush was having to deal with a, a position of need and maybe reaching a little bit with that position of need. Now I'm reaching with a position that's not so much of a need. And KT, I know you know this guy too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's Jalen Darden from North Texas, baby. He's going to go in the third round. Not really. He's probably going to go in like the fifth or the sixth. But if the Cowboys pick him in the fifth or the sixth, I would want to do, do cartwheels because he'll be your fourth wide receiver. He'll be a touchdown scoring machine just like he was in college. Doesn't matter if he was at a small school. If they score touchdowns in college, they're going to find a way to score touchdowns in the pros. That's what Jalen Darden is to me, and I want the Cowboys to select him. He is such a draft crush for me, and I'm trying to get the Cowboys on that bandwagon. Dowd Darden to Dallas, baby. Let's figure it out, KT. Yeah, he I like that tiny. a lot. Tiny. He's tiny, but I love uh, it. Five, seven, five, seven and a half. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's Jeff but, will like him. Yeah, he, he, he might be this year's Jakeem Grant. We'll see. Hey. I bet our Darius Washington will lock him up. Mm. I don't know. That's the, the one slot? I want to see. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about this guy a lot because Jeff just tweeted about him today, and I had him on my list. I want to do someone else. But everyone go get a good look at Kelvin Joseph, the cornerback from Kentucky, There's a, especially in the play where he boxes out Devontae Smith. Uh, but I want to go to running back because – Oh, no. I, again, <laughs> just guys I love. I love because the tape's fun. Doesn't mean it's my favorite running back. Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis. And we know Memphis will churn out some runners. Kenneth Gainwell from, from Memphis was so fun to watch. Um, only a, a set out 2020. You go back and watch his 2019 tape. There's a play where they're lining up at wide receiver and they throw a back shoulder to, uh, to him. And he just flips his hips, makes the catch. I mean, I Hands think he's catch. a – yeah, I mean, he's he looked yeah. natural doing it. Uh, out of the backfield on a wheel route, just hit him in stride, boom, never stops running, hits top speed. I mean, he's a dynamic playmaker. You know, I don't know if he's your 20 to 25 carry a game guy, but I don't know if that player exists in the league anymore except for Zeke. Um, you know, he he's a guy who's just like, hey, get him on my team. I'm going to get get him the ball 15 times a game. Dane, real quick. I was going to see. I, did, I was going to yep. see if you uh, if you I'm had sure. anything to add on KT's guy. No, I, I, he summed it up perfectly. Why Gainwell is is awesome. Uh, it's the pass catching skills uh, and his ability to catch outside his frame and without breaking stride and make things happen. 
Um, yeah, we, we know, like KT said, Memphis has has those athletes, and I think pretty sure he was a quarterback uh, in high school, and so you know a guy that's emerging. Um, he really only has one year of experience because he opted out of this past year, so there's still some things we're you know learning about him. But his 2019 film was a lot of fun. I liked this, KT. This was fun, kind of throwing out a bunch of names, getting to, to kind of go round table and find some guys that maybe uh, we haven't necessarily had a chance to talk about yet because we're going to have these conversations all the way up until April about guys we like, guys we don't like. Maybe we need to find like an anti-Valentine next week, guys we just don't like that maybe are Greg uh, Rousseau. Right, right in the middle. Yeah, hey, there you go, Gregory Rousseau. Ed TCU Rusher out of safety. Miami. Yeah, hey, why do you hate marrying? <laughs> Uh, we've got plenty more to come next week. Catch these guys Thursday, 10 a.m. Central Time. But until next time, for Jeff Cavanaugh, for Kevin KT Turner, for Dane Brugler and Chris Beam in the back, I'm Kyle Yeomans. Thanks for joining us here on the Draft Show presented by Miller Lite. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys?